Listener Production. Wall Street treads water as the upcoming Fed decision looms large in investor thinking. And Aussie shares expected to open lower on Tuesday ahead of the latest Reserve Bank board meeting minutes. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Tuesday, the 19th of September. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, it's not my intention to be prescriptive, but if I gave you just one price to talk about today, what would it be? It would be the Brent crude oil price. You know, you and I are very much in sync. We come in, we greet each other, we don't talk for an hour, and then we come in here and talk, and we are very much aligned in our We're thinking. in sync. We're in sync. We're like the boy band. <laughs> if only we would be um, retired and sunning ourselves on the front of a yacht in the Cote d'Azur, probably. Actually, that's probably not where they'd hang out Probably Florida. Yeah, they'd be Miami. They've got the reek of Miami. Anyway, look, in an otherwise uneventful session, uh, let's just quickly go through the US prices. We had the Dow uh, pretty flat at the end, up six points. The S&P 500 likewise up by 0.1 of a percent and the NASDAQ largely flat as well. So uh, stocks have been pretty choppy lately. Actually, we saw a decent move higher for some interest rate markets, not all. So within that, that move higher for, for oil, uncomfortable. It was. We saw the Brent crude price almost touch 95 US dollars a barrel. It ended up at 94.43. It was up 0.5%. And the reason why it backed off the $95 level was we heard from Saudi Energy Minister Abdulaziz bin Salman al-Saud. And apologies for any Abdulaziz bin Salman. We'll run with that. (laughs) And he was speaking at the World Petroleum Congress in Calgary, Canada. And he said the jury is still out on Chinese oil consumption, while Saudi Aramco, the world's biggest petroleum producer, revised lower its estimate for 2030 demand. So we did see a little bit of a weakening there. We need to see the demand side to improve as the catalyst for oil going forward, in my opinion. The crown prince... I mean, I reckon he is worthy of a Netflix series like, you know, Drive to Survive has done great things for F1. I reckon that a Netflix series with these chaps could do a great deal of good for OPEC, right? Because for someone someone to look you in the face and say, our ambition is for price stability. It's like, mate, really? Why don't you just try and be honest? Would any of the F1 drivers or franchises turn up. I mean, at the end of the day, this guy's driving all prices up. <laughs> We've seen OPEC plus curbs have undoubtedly tightening the global supply, supporting prices, and all prices are up about 10% this year thanks to OPEC plus curbs. Oh, no, it's breathtaking. And um, the the siege that is being laid to the global economy because of this um, is terribly disappointing given the effort that governments and central banks went to to try and stabilize global growth. We're now hoping for a growth dividend, but that growth dividend is literally being taxed by OPEC. So, you know, that's just the way the world is. You have to understand it. But nonetheless, I suppose what stands out, Ryan, is that for the moment, at least, we've got these markets pensive, but under control. We had two-year government bonds in the US up by three basis points to 5.06%. 10-year just moderating slightly down two basis points to 431 uh, in yield terms. They are like that with their nose up against the ceiling, uh, bond yields globally. We saw European bond yields up quite 
sharply as well in the case of a two-year German Bund. It was up four basis points to 324, a 10-year up three basis points to 270. Uh, we had the European Central Bank official talking about the possibility of more rate hikes, even though we saw what was described as a dovish hike last week where it was talked about in terms of potentially being the last or amongst the last, but that didn't last very long. Well, that's right. So if we return to US share markets last night, Tom, it was a choppy session. There were a few catalysts and little conviction heading into the US Federal Reserve's two-day monetary policy meeting. And of course, when you are approaching one of these meetings, you want to act with some caution, don't you? Of course, we could hear from Jerome Powell and he could move the markets and certainly you don't want to be on the wrong side of those discussions. So the best strategy for the next couple of days is to wait to see as to what transpires. That's not advice, by the way. (laughs) And of course, there's a 99% expectation out there the US Federal Reserve will keep interest rates on hold and the big focus will be on the potential for changes to the economic projections, particularly the dot plot around interest rate forecasts and whether the Fed retains another 25 basis point rate hike for later this year. Markets are pricing in a 30% chance of a rate hike in November, and whether there's still the potential chance for rate cuts into 2024. Indeed. So look, let me put another hypothetical to you. You're managing a, a large bond fund. To what extent are you trusting the instincts and the intellectual horsepower of your average central banker these days when they come out and make a decree? Well, I think that certainly the communication from the US Federal Reserve in the last six to 12 months has improved improved. enormously. And I think we'll see that Jerome Powell will stay on script. So he'll talk about interest rates remaining high for longer till they defeat inflation. And at the same time, he'll also remain pragmatic, which is where data dependence. So much depends on the inflation outlook. We've got gasoline prices in the US lifting sharply. And then we've got fun inflation or funflation, which is inflation caused by spending on events. And that hasn't stopped Taylor Swift and the like. We've got her coming out here in Australia later this year as well. Indeed. I suppose I should catch that slightly differently. What weight do you place on the decrees of central bankers when clearly, you know, when you have oil prices, uh, energy inputs behaving the way they are now, we are into a different realm in terms of even what was being talked about a couple of months ago, the prospect of inflationary pressures becoming entrenched because of these oil prices at these levels. And they're they're talking about $100 oil, right? So that's going to be another quantum higher. This discussion about rate hikes is fanciful under these circumstances. Yes. And what it all means is that inflation remains front center of yes. the central bank discussion. High for longer. We heard that at Jackson Hole. And the other thing that's lurking in the background in the United States is jitters on Capitol Hill around the potential for a government shutdown. Mm, Don't start with the politics. So if we have that arise as well, that will come at a complicated time. We've heard from US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, and she said while she sees no risk of an economic downturn, she warned that a government shutdown would be creating a situation that could cause a loss of momentum and it's something that we don't need as a risk at this point in time. Anyone would think there'd be a general election coming around the corner, right? Well, that's true, yes. We do have the presidential well, election actually, in 2024. Yes. Well, quel surprise, as the French might say. Anyway, uh, let's move on. 
In terms of what stood out to me, Philadelphia Semiconductor Index actually held up last night. It was up by a third of a percent. Apple, which has kind of been absent from any meaningful gains recently, uh, had a reasonable night under the circumstances, up 1.7%. Still breaking down, um, still bears pretty close scrutiny, um, so worth keeping an eye on. US dollar index up quite uh, smartly in the last month. It moderated a little bit uh, overnight. Anything else in US for you? Look, I think that Tesla's shares um, were interesting last night. They dropped 3.3%, big weight on US markets. Goldman Sachs lowered its earnings estimates for the electric vehicle giant. So once again, some of these heavyweights are under a bit of pressure at the moment. We saw Ford shares down 2.2% as the United Auto Workers strike continued. Moderna was the biggest loser on the S&P 500, down 9% after its co-founder and board chairman decided to sell 15,000 shares. It's an interesting development. And as you mentioned, Tom, Apple shares bucked the trend. They're up 1.7% after Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley both gave optimistic outlooks for new iPhone demand. Indeed. So um, autos were one of the worst performing sectors in the US on the back of the strike and uh, airline stocks not faring well because of the bump higher as far as uh, energy prices are concerned. And uh, unsurprisingly, energy stocks were the most imp- one of the most improved in the S&P 500. Quickly, in Europe, we had the UK market down three quarters of a percent, French market down 1.4, German market down by a percent, Stock 600 index down by 1.1%. The worst performing sectors in the Stock 600 uh, property, uh, they were all negative. There was not a single improver in the property sector. Consumer discretionary names were generally weaker. Tool, Thule, they're the organization that make roof racks and right. you know, for, in those capsules for nice cars that owners in the leafy suburbs tend to have. That was the only improver in the Stock 600 Consumer Discretionary Index. Recession resistant. <laughs> Maybe. But one of the things that stood out last night, Tom, was shares of Socgen, the French bank, and they dropped 12.1% the most since March 2020. After the bank's new strategic plan disappointed investors, we saw Eurozone bank shares down 1.9% on the back of this development. We did see the UK FTSE 100 index also fall more sharply, Tom, and that was, of course, on the back of markets now seeing an 80% chance of the Bank of England hiking the bank rate later this week by 25 basis points to 5.5%. Goldman Sachs lowered its forecast for the Bank of England's terminal rate to that level. Indeed. So quickly on the local front, today we have the release of the minutes of the most recent RBA meeting. Of course, that was the final one, which Governor Lowe presided over. I don't know if you'd be using this to navigate by today, Ryan, to be honest. You wouldn't be. And we've got a new governor in place now. Michelle Bullock started she, she a got, Martin she place. She got um, fronted as she walked into work last night by the, or yesterday morning, by the TV cameras. She did. But she seemed quite calm. She, was, she's, she, was, she took it in a stride. She's uh, a country lady from northern New South Wales. Uh, she looked very, very un, unfazed. Unfazed by the whole yeah. circumstance. Warm, I thought. Warm, yes. And she inherits an economy with inflation moderating, employment strong, and growth still afloat. So she is concerned about inflation. Last time we heard from her, she said inflation is still too high in Australia. And of course, her honeymoon may not last for long if the recent run of economic data is anything to go by. We've seen, obviously, stronger economic data broadly, uh, rising oil prices. So that's going to make the Reserve Bank's forecast more difficult to achieve. Uh, But of course, the economic growth data we had in the June quarter at 2.1% was higher than the Reserve Bank's 1.6% yeah. forecast. Uh, we have seen the July monthly inflation indicator 
that seems to confirm the RBA's expectation for inflation falling of 4% by December. But we have seen renewed inflationary pressures on the back of a lift in the minimum wages and also petrol prices and energy prices along with electricity prices. And that was reflected in the Melbourne Institute inflation gorge in July and August. And the annual rates are both for, for that gorge as a, as a forecaster, Ryan, now again, coming back to the oil price, when do you go back to the chocolate wheel of forecasting um, with oil prices? Like, is it what's the line in the sand? Is it like ninety-five bucks? Is it a hundred bucks? Where do you go? Okay, clearly the world has sh- shifted, and we've got to shift our thinking. Well, the RBA assumed Brent oil at eighty bucks a barrel in their August projections, so, so we're they are some way off that. At they've the got moment. the WD forty applying it to the chocolate wheel and ready to give it another spin, you would think. So the headline CPI forecast on the back of that is looking quite shaky at the moment. And then you add to that, if you look at surveys from NAB and Judo Bank recently around costs and final prices, they've increased. They typically then afford leading indicators of a lift in inflation. So it appears as though Ms. Bullock will have a little bit of a challenge on her hands. We have seen Aussie dollar weakness at the same time. That's also leading to higher petrol prices yeah. as well. So it's so going to be a tricky time. It seems to be time. hanging around uh, that 64 mark um, with some degree of stability. It looked frail a couple of weeks ago, but below 64, but it's doing reasonably well at the moment. So with the minutes today, I think really we did see some minor changes to the most recent statement. A tightening bias remained in place. The minutes will be scrutinised for arguments to hike versus arguments to remain on hold. We think the hurdle, again, for rate hike in the near term is high, but if there's going to be one, it's likely to be in November, and that's after the most recent quarterly consumer price index is released in late October. Ryan, if you could perhaps just uh, reflect on the movements in commodity prices overnight. The all Brent price rose by 0.5% to 94.43 US dollars a barrel. And we did see gold futures up by 0.4% to 1953.40 US dollars an ounce. And iron ore rose back up to levels last seen in April, up 0.8% to 122.20 US dollars a tonne. The Aussie dollar fell from 64.4 cents to 64.16 cents and is currently trading at 64.38 cents. That iron ore price, something that you could very easily see in a Las Vegas magic act as well. Um, seemingly very strong at those levels, given everything else that's going on in China. But uh, something to look at over the course of the next little while. Thanks for tuning in today. It's been great having your company. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. This podcast is prepared, approved, and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting, and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.